All right, Brian, I got Ascent and Chorus done. What else was there? Uh, I mean, I like I said, <laughs> I posted some of the ones on Twitter that I found interesting. Um, you need to watch Scorn. Scorn, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I posted that one. one. Yeah, that I need up to talk yet. about it. <laughs> I'm not surprised Brian didn't put Scorn up. I'm actually rewatching the Scorn trailer now. See, I didn't actually know this. When I was watching it, I was like, man, this is basically H.R. Grieger's um, Dune. And then on their wiki page, like, yeah, so we tried to make an H.R. Grieger game. And I was like, yeah, you guys nailed it. This is so fucked. How did they show this? This trailer is electric. <laughs> woogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> oh, God. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is a man whose superhero name on this show might have to just be spoiler alert, man, Andy Stoles. <laughs> What's up, podcast people? Uh, next is a man who is currently auctioning the fate of his beard to charity, Mike Bradley. Uh, well, kind of. I don't think we're going to be hitting those goals, it doesn't look like, but maybe we lower the goals. Maybe I set the goalposts too far out there. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I am raising money for St. Jude Play Live uh, for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital this month on Twitch. Uh, you can catch me at uh, twitch.tv slash Tyrannis. That's T-A-U-R-A-N-I-S-S. I thought you uh, forgot your Twitch channel for a second. <laughs> I got lost somewhere in the middle of spelling it, actually. <laughs> um, I've never, I, I think it's the first time I've had to say like out loud how it's spelled. I don't think I've ever actually spelled it. I thought it was two I's and not two S's. Oh uh, God! U R A N I I S. Yes, that, yeah. that, that is how it's spelled. If you yeah. already tried to go to the other one, sorry, that's not me. Um, that's mine. But yes, yeah, so my my beard is up. If we hit the final stretch goal uh, for Saint Jude Play Live, there will be a uh, poll, uh, and people will decide what uh, style I shave my beard in. So I've been growing it out during uh, the. Uh, quarantine here so that there's more style options available and uh yeah are you gonna put stars and stripes in there i, <laughs> I mean people can uh add whatever they want to the poll there i can't go, die nice. there's your window i can't die it <laughs> um but it uh yeah but we can stencil some shit in there yeah <laughs> well no i mean the thing i can't put stuff on my skin like I, if I put it, like no, I break I mean, out, you know, any, you just like even normal makeup. You put a stencil on there and then you shave the stencil in. You know? Oh well, possibly yes. I was thinking more like actual <laughs> styles because I plan on keeping it for like a month. Like nice stars and stripes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean it. It, it could be it, anything from a normal style to I guess stars and stripes, like Andy said. <laughs> um, if that's going to be one of the styles, maybe we'll keep the goalposts pretty far out there. 
Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens on that. But um, back in March, we raised twelve hundred dollars. We we're at about two hundred and twenty right now. So, uh, yeah, going to be going all month long. And of course, you know, stop by and watch me eat some disgusting beans. Stink bug is oh, the, yeah, probably the, the worst thing stuff. I've ever put in my mouth. And um, that's what she God, said. That was awful. Yep. Wait, is that a new flavor for the Burt's? No, no, no. It's it's bean boozled. Oh, bean boozled. He's yeah. got him right there. Yeah. He can eat some right now. <laughs> uh, if you donate five dollars, yes, uh, I will eat a bean. Uh, yeah, stink bug and dirty dishwater were the two new flavors they put in. You've also got rotten egg, toothpaste, barf, canned dog food, spoiled milk, boogers, stinky socks, and dead fish. Ugh. Um, and then there's a good flavor that accompanies each one of those. Um, but stink bug is the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. I'm shivering just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, it was it was awful. I had to swallow that. Like it. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've already heard him, but finally we have a man who has ripped out the brakes to his own hype train, Ian Leidick. Hello, guys. I want to once again thank you for the response I had last week to my OnlyFans account. So once again, I want you to go to OnlyFans.com backslash I am the Great Leon. And for fourteen ninety nine, you can see it all. And thank you again, Sip Nation, for showing me that one man in his own home can raise a lot of money. Thank you. Wait, is that Leon or Leon? You just got to type it in right. You got well, I mean, which one am I looking for in the typing, though? I got to know which accent I'm putting on the type. Like, I got to... That was the issue Brian had. Yeah, apparently years. Leon is wrong. Leon. Yeah, it's not, it's not correct. Leon. Oh, sorry. Le- well, that's what I was saying. Leon? Leon. 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 Yeah, okay. I'm getting a lot of sit money on my OnlyFans, and it's very exciting. That's awesome. Some that's people awesome. won't pay me $500,000 per podcast appearance, so... It's a, you get some underbeard action on there? A little pricey. I am uh, staying fully clothed. So so some underbeard is what I'm saying. You know, some, some beard shots from below. Oh, no, I shave for my OnlyFans, and then I grow this whole majestic thing back out in between. Oh, okay. In between shoots. That's <laughs> a time-lapse video sense. of watching it grow. If you if you <laughs> watch the podcast That's stream, on the OnlyFans, actually. <laughs> you you can that's, see it. It's, it's interesting. Thank you for subscribing. Yeah. It's there. It, it, he has. It does. It's a time lapse video of him regrowing the beard. It's. It's pretty awesome. Worthwhile content. And with that, we're gonna try to pivot to what we got on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're doing uh, back to like the news episode. We're gonna try to cover some of the announcements that have popped up here and there. Um, I don't know how much we'll dive into some of them, but I at least just want to sort of give a heads up on what got announced. Some of the stuff we haven't talked about for a while. Um, they have, I did post a lot of the stuff, I think on Facebook and Twitter. So the articles are there if you just want to catch up on what's been happening. So we got some Star Wars stuff, some video game stuff, at least one little bit of Marvel news, which is where we're going to start for this one. So on... Can I stop in one second and interject one piece of news I know you're not going to talk about? No. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, Nicholas Cage has been announced as Joe Exotic in the Tiger oh, King I television show. Live action. Just wanted to put that out there so everybody knows what's going on. Keep you up to date with your Tiger King. Yay. Is he going to grow the hair or is it going to be a wig? I haven't seen information on that yet. You failed me again, Bradley. 
well, I I'm not asking the big questions. I guess when the time comes, I gotta. That's a big question I gotta ask. Uh, all right. So starting with the Marvel stuff, <laughs> I'm just spinning it right back around. On May 15th, which is right around the corner, Disney Plus is adding Fury Files, which is a show that mixes animation and motion comic art as Nick Fury goes over files on a bunch of Marvel superheroes. And no, Nick Fury will not be voiced by Samuel L. Jackson. He will be voiced by his animated counterpart, which is Chi McBride, who I'm pretty sure has voiced okay. Nick Fury on other animated Marvel shows, video games it's and Kai. all that stuff, too. Is it Kai? Kai, yeah. Kai McBride. You are correct. Um... Now, I'm assuming this show is going to be geared towards kids, so I don't imagine it. And I also don't imagine it being like 30 minutes long an episode unless it covers multiple characters. I, there, there's no trailer or anything. This thing hits next week, so I have no idea what this is other than this little announcement that we got. Um, but I guess it could just be fun to check out and see what they cover. So I guess more or less just to you guys, what do you expect from the show? Do you expect they will go through comic origins? Do you think they'll stick to movie origins? How deep would they go? Do you think they'd compare and contrast the two? Um, so do we think we're going to get a similar style to what the Astonishing X-Men motion comic was a while back? That was, I don't know, five, six years ago, something like that? I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, the, that or not. the fact that they're doing, it says both, like animation and motion comic art. So I feel like I'd rather them almost stick to one style. So I don't yeah, know what it's going to look like the together. Mixtures. Well, I think... Sure. Like, the physical file will be, like, the motion comic, and then if they go into it with, like, the character, that's when they switch to animation. So okay. it's, like, him reviewing the file will be, like, the motion comic, and then gotcha. they'll show you, like, a story from the character or something, and that will be the animation. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's why I said it. Like, it makes <laughs> sense that that's how they would do it. But you never know. But, like, that makes the most sense. Well, that, yeah. yeah, I guess that format would lean more towards maybe like an animated episode of a show. And each, yeah, each episode is sort of like an origin story or something, which might be interesting. Well, it could even just be like them fighting Joe Freeze, you know, just, hey, here's a random story you've never heard from this character oh, before. Oh, fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, just like stories just like, like Fury and the Commandos. Yeah. I got you. Sort okay. of just a small story about each character. And it could be so inconsequential that you won't care if it's canon or not. Like right. if they wanted to go that route, yeah. Like this is this is the time that Thor went to go get shawarma by himself, like, <laughs> and, and yeah. stopped a caper or something. You know, <laughs> here's the time Thor fought Napkin Man. No one cares, <laughs> but it's cool to see. It's like comics back in the day. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it wasn't an attached story. It was a one shot. It was over, and then you moved on to the next week. It could literally be um, Thor, like, 12. <laughs> yeah. It might be. Like, I haven't read all of Journey into Mystery, but I, I would think, like you were saying, like, whether it's going to follow which version of canon. I think if they're going with Kai McBride voicing Fury, um, you're probably looking at the Ultimate Universe. Because, okay. I mean, that's where this version of Fury originated in the first place. Yeah. What was for the Ultimate Universe. So maybe something along the lines of the Ultimates as opposed to the Avengers. Okay. I think with this, because how they're releasing it, I think it's going to be loose enough that it could fit into any canon. Like, it won't upset anything. But at the same time, they're not going to show you something where you're like, oh, that needs, that, I need to know that that's part of 
his story for sure. Yeah. Like they're going to keep it loose enough that you're like, that was cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's a good point as to how, how much they're trying to tie it to the Marvel universe, like how much they want you to be able to separate it from the MCU or not. So if it's not at all tied to it and they want it to be its own thing, as opposed to maybe what Ian's saying, maybe they go to the point where like Thor is so clearly not the MCU version. Yeah. I mean like the ultimates version or a beta Ray bill version or something like that, that, you know, like it just as an example, not necessarily Thor specifically showing up. Right. But, you know, I mean, just as an example, how different he is in the Ultimates universe from the the, you know, the MCU, I think, might lend to the idea that, like, this is clearly not meant to be in the same thing. I guess I it might of... be cool, too. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead sorry. Ahead. It might be cool, too, if they if he sort of goes through files of characters that really they haven't touched on at all in the MCU or even in in the cartoons, like um, sort of like the outlier sort of superheroes and supervillains that he has files on, but you haven't really seen anything of yet. I think that would be kind of neat. I think when I like read the little write up summary thing in my mind, I started thinking like each episode is just going to be like a biography on a character. So, but I kind of like the idea of what you guys are talking about, how it just could be like a snippet of someone's, story some sort of encounter that they've done which could be interesting mm-hmm. too but i guess i'm i was looking at it more like informational i guess and that's why i think i started gravitating towards like origin stories for different characters and stuff like that and trying well, to figure out where they'd be pulling information from because it could be like almost that, like, like a, a visual encyclopedia sort yeah of thing. like he's opening a dossier and like looking at like all the specifics of what happens with this person and going through some sort of timeline for them or something how like they got to where they are and type of thing. Like, that story could just be, like, when he heard of them. And that's why it could be, like, a random thing. It doesn't have to be their origin. It's like, this is when we became aware of X character. Right, okay. Right. And then they can tell their own origin story later if they want to expand upon the character at some point. But here's a snippet of what we know about the character. Yeah. Because you would save that origin story for your $500 million movie. Well, that's what I mean. If the five hundred dollar million dollar movie or five hundred million dollar movie is already made, then you just sort of put that in animated form just for another avenue to go. You know, you figure. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have seen the movies, and especially probably rewatching and maybe even discovering some of that stuff on Disney Plus now that they might just be looking for another avenue for more information about these characters, almost like the like Marvel Encyclopedia, but animated. Yeah. There's a lot of ways they could go with this, and it could be very cool. So either way, we'll yeah. find out next week. It drops next week, May fifteenth. May fifteenth. Is it the whole Friday? thing? I dis. I mean, Disney Plus has been doing one a week, so I'm assuming it's weekly. Yeah. I don't I'll think they drop it out. That sounds neat. But yeah, yeah the fifteenth is Friday. They haven't dropped Friday. any whole season at once, so. Yeah, I was. I you know when I again when I first read this, I wasn't sure if I was going to be interested. And the more we've sort of hashed it out, now I'm like, you know what? I did, I do think I need to check this out. This yeah, now that like we made it, cool. it yes, very yeah, cool. you sold me on this. <laughs> Not Disney or Marvel. You guys have sold me on this show. And then it's it's going to just be like Nick Fury talking over like a comic book. <laughs> but they didn't actually animate, which is more in line with what I sort of expected. So we'll see how right we are. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll move on to some Star Wars stuff. So. On Star Wars Day, May the 4th, Lucasfilm announced that Taika Waititi will be directing a new Star Wars movie. 
He will be co-writing the movie with Kristen Wilson Carnes, who co-wrote with Sam Mendes for 1917. She also co-wrote for the upcoming Last Night in Soho, which is Edgar Wright's next movie. Um, there are no details on what the movie is, when it will be released, any of that stuff. Um, they also announced that Leslie Headland, creator of Russian Doll, will write, executive produce, and showrun a new untitled Star Wars show for Disney+. And again, no other details other than that. That's all they announced right now. So, just sort of a PSA for you guys if you didn't see it. And one, what do you think of this? these deals? These ca- Not casting, but... Uh, you know, having the, deals. yeah, having these people yeah. involved with Star Wars, because Taika actually he's coming off of directing an episode and voicing a character in The Mandalorian, so he's sort of Which played in that world episode. a little bit. Yeah, and and I was thinking about it earlier, thinking like perhaps things like The Mandalorian are like tryouts for who's going to oh, for sure. get to direct Star Wars films. Yeah. Um. I'll be damned if, you know, Dave Filoni first directed live action for that show. He directed a couple episodes of that show. If he's he does not get a live action movie after this, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, I'm pretty <laughs> sure if I remember correctly, my like the the episode I thought was done the best was actually Bryce Dallas Howard. That was the camp one uh, with the ATST, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was awesome and I feel like if there was somebody they were going to offer it to, it might have been her, but Tyka's episode was excellent. Yeah, yeah, he had the finale, to, to be I think. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, him voicing the IG unit was hilarious. Yeah. Um, Very well done with that. But, it, yeah, I mean, I can't see anything wrong with the episode he directed. It looked good. It looked, I mean, it was awesome. So, to see more of whatever they have in store for him, I guess right now it's pretty much up to, yeah, I like what Taika Waititi does. I don't know, like, he doesn't just do humor, I guess is the important thing to note. Yeah. Like, if you watch Jojo Rabbit, there's a good bit of humor, but it's also a very touching story. Yeah. Uh, So it's, he's not just one-dimensional, so seeing what he could bring to Star Wars, I'm very interested. Yeah, I'm hoping, you know, give this guy just free reign of Star Wars. Don't put some sort of established characters or anything. Like, that's the fun of The Mandalorian, is these are new characters for us. We don't know where they're going, what the hell's going on. I want more Star Wars stories like that, just to let these people do whatever the hell they want and see what comes out of it. Um, Andy, what do you think? I'm excited. I I think it's going to be really cool to see Taika Waititi take over uh, a movie and sort of, you know spotlight what he wants to spotlight i think that's gonna be really neat they haven't really gone into any details about what he's gonna be doing right no they just said it's it's coming he's working on it that'll be neat that'll be really cool um i'm actually really excited um about the russian doll yeah director doing a series headland she's she's doing a series not a movie right yes right executive produce and showrun so this is her series that would Come. be cool because Russian Doll is a really slick idea, I thought. Um, and it's bizarre, it's dark, it's it's somewhat humorous, and I, I just think that would be a really neat sort of avenue for a Star Wars show. Yeah. Uh, something that's bizarre and dark and, and somewhat like dark humory. I don't think that's really been done in Star Wars. I'm wondering if like if it's safe to assume that the same type of tone would go to a Star Wars show or if she'd bring something else to the table. Do you know what I mean? 
Like it's maybe it it's I hate to have to say it with a grain of salt, but like we get excited for these creators that are involved in Star Wars, and it seems like you know almost fifty percent of the time the creators leave before the the project is done. So I don't know if that's part of the Disney Lucasfilm machine. If you know whatever they hire them for, by the time it finally gets moving, they're like, you know what, this isn't what we had in mind, and then creative differences cause people to leave. So I I don't know. So are you saying that we should call this untitled J.J. Abrams Star Wars film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to plug be in, fair, plug like... in Star Wars staple here. <laughs> we have no information other than some rough dates on when the next Star Wars films are going to happen. We don't yeah. have any like actual plot details of any kind to go off of. No, there's rumors about you know the old Republic and stuff like that, but none of that's coming from Disney. None of that's actually confirmed. It's all just random rumors. The only stuff we know that they're looking at is the High Republic. Yeah. Which they announced themselves. Other than that, we have no idea when any of these, like, oh, they're slated to direct a movie. Is that the 2022 one that Taika Waititi's on? Who's directing that one that you have a date for? What are you doing with that? What's it going to be? We don't know yet. And we're probably not going to know for a good while because of the whole quarantine crisis going on, I don't think things are going to be on pace or on schedule for what they were hoping. I would imagine Taika's Star Wars movie is going to be at least five years out, unless he jumps some of his stuff into schedule, because he is right now supposed to do Thor 4, which is probably what he's working on now. Right. And then I know he's been attached to, I think, Akira for a while. So and he's still got his show that he runs. Well, Akira won't ever come out, so that's fine. I mean, he was working on that, and they pushed that for Thor, because he got Thor. So I don't know if that would get pushed again for Star Wars, or if that's going to jump Star Wars. Well, so, IMDb lists the Star Wars as 2024. IMDb's so full of shit. They don't know. No one knows. Like <laughs> They're guessing. We can guess, too. Yeah. D- do it, then. I, that's what I'm trying Wait. to speculate here. This is this is me guessing. <laughs> But I mean, I think the 2024 would make sense for him. And at the same time, though, it's it's kind of weird because Jojo Rabbit's the only movie he's directed. What? Like, he's done other stuff, but like the only actual film he's directed is Jojo Rabbit. I guess he's done a lot of TV. No, wait, no, he did What We Do in the Shadows, no. right? That was him. And Thor Ragnarok. That's What a, We Do in the Shadows. Are you looking at movie? the uh, Team <laughs> Thor stuff, so that's why I missed it. I was going to say, like, th- those are huge movies that he's done. That's still weird to me that like, those are the movies he's done. Like what, what we do in the shadows, Thor and Jojo Rabbit? Yeah, because, I mean, before that, he was doing stuff like The Inbetweeners in Super City. The Inbetweeners was hilarious, though. No, but it's not, like, a huge production film. That's That's my point. Well, neither was what we do in the shadows. Like, I just think it's a... I feel like he's getting replaced. (laughs) Here's what I would say. He has one huge production film under his belt, and it's Thor Ragnarok, which is, in my personal opinion, one of the best movies in the MCU. It's my own personal opinion. Um, His humor is fantastic. He has a successful FX show going right now. He's come up pretty big time in the last while. I mean, he was Oscar nominated for Jojo Rabbit. So, you know, I think I think he's earning his spot, but whether or not he stays, who knows? It's so far out. 
and so many people want Taika to work on their projects right now. I, I could see it happening, what you're saying, but he's heavily tied in with Disney at this time. Like you said, I think with the Mandalorian being like the the proving ground type of thing, I think they must have had that well of an experience or he had that much fun playing in Star Wars that it's like maybe he pitched an idea and they were like, you know what? Go for that. Do that. Could be. It's just with Disney's track record. It's like once they start filming it, they're like, don't, don't do that. And that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I don't think that's Disney's track record, because I feel like they let him do what he wanted with Thor. I feel like that might be Lucasfilm's track record. Well, uh, I guess, yeah. Maybe. yeah. yeah. It, well, because the MCU has a very clear creative direction. There's someone very much in charge of that. And I'm still yeah. not sure if anyone's in charge of Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, it should be There's Kathleen people that are Kennedy. supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, Kathleen Kennedy's CEO of Lucasfilm. It should should be her. I really hope they just let Dave Filoni do it all from now on. No offense to her, just he's just too damn good at it. Yeah. Um, I guess Ian, we still got a little bit of you chimed in, so I don't know if you want to add anything else to either of these. Well, there's also um, they brought on one of the writers apparently for the uh, Christy Wilson Carnes. Yeah, and she's done some stuff, but like I think it's the same thing they're doing where they're trying to go after newer people. And yeah. I want to see how it works just because these Star Wars films do not have a great track record of letting people create. Oh, yeah. I mean, they spent a whole movie, which was the last one in the saga, of just walking back everything they did in the previous movie. Right. That was the but whole the, film. Yeah, but those Star Wars movies were all chained to the Skywalker saga. Maybe they can sort of unchain them for something completely original. In the Star Wars universe, and that's you know the I mean? experiment that I want to see happen. Like if they're if they're putting money on something creative that's not tied to existing canon or characters, like will the quote unquote fandom accept it, or are they just going to bitch about it and then Disney's going to react and change something? Oh, the fandom's right. going to bitch about it. I don't care what they make. <laughs> like, yeah, the fandom is too big not to have some people upset by whatever they make. Yeah. Like, they could make Dunkirk, Star Wars, and people are going to bitch about it. <laughs> yeah. With, you know, at this point, we'll see. Maybe that's what Tyke's got up the up the pipe. I would watch that. Dunkirk was an amazing <laughs> film. I would love to see the Star Wars version of it. Um, I'm so just now gonna... you get me thinking, like, man, I wish Christopher Nolan would make a Star Wars movie. And, and, and... <laughs> and I feel like thing... his name has been tossed around, but I think he's denied all that stuff, like saying well, it, he'd never take it or anything like it that. It has to be because of his work with, like, Batman. So, like, he will clearly do those kinds of films, and he's such a great director. Like, it makes sense, but maybe the Batman's burned him out on doing these big tied-in properties, you know? Yeah, Not that maybe. he doesn't make big films. Let, still, less but... of his own creativity and more of somebody else's. Yeah, I, I I think there's a reason he hasn't done anything with, like, Disney in this sense, like an MCU or a Star Wars film, because there's some kind of friction. Because it would make so much sense to bring him in. I'll tell you right now, I will lose my shit if Danny V gets a Star Wars movie. <laughs> wow. I would, I would love to see that. I don't care what it is, I will see that. Let him be the one that gets the Old Republic. Oh my god. As an official film, that would uh, cement that pretty well in a lot of people's minds. I mean, I'm sure Dune is just taking up his life, so I don't know if he'd jump back into something as big <laughs> as Star Wars after that, but... 
From what I know about making a Dune film, yes, it literally takes over your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> From watching Jabberwocky's Dune, that, that's how it works. <laughs> um, spinning us sort of into uh, The Mandalorian Season 2, there was another couple announcements that hit, um, also on Star Wars Day. Twitter confirmed two other people that, have, that are going to be directing upcoming episodes of Season 2. Um, Robert Rodriguez and Peyton Reed, who directed both Ant-Man movies, uh, both conter- confirmed on Twitter that they will have at least directed one episode of season two. Um, Talk about completely opposite directors, too. Yeah, and that's kind of fun to me. Um, I mean, last we heard season two would release in the fall. It's still unclear if that release date will change with the pandemic. Um, but I guess until we hear otherwise, yeah. look for it in the fall. If something changes, we'll we'll let you know. But uh, I'm sh- I'm pretty sure I thought I heard that Bryce Dallas Howard was coming back also for season two. Um, I don't know if they ever announced the list of directors that will be in season two, other than Bryce and now uh, Rodriguez and Reed. Um, but what do you think about the talent they're bringing in for season two? I like that they're bringing in different directors that that are known for different things. You know, um, Rodriguez sort of has a Tarantino feel to a lot of his movies, and I know they've actually collaborated on a bunch of them. Um, so I think that would be really kind of neat to see, like him sort of play with the, you know, the child and that whole thing. I think I think that would be really cool. And um, you said Peyton Reed did Ant Man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's a guy or a girl. Guy. Okay. I think he would uh, bring a lot of humor into it because I, I feel like the Ant Man movies have a lot of really neat humoristic qualities to it maybe we get some kind of heist film or, I was or heist episode kind of thinking that i don't know if that's like too on brand now for peyton reed just because <laughs> he's done two ant-man movies but yeah I, I i am really curious about what peyton reed brings to the table for star wars i think i, see, f- you know, I feel like robert Rodriguez kind of kind of fits like i could see that peyton reed to me is like what okay all right let me see what you got i i feel like robert rodriguez would tie in perfectly with the other news that you haven't mentioned that popped up yesterday, I believe that Boba Fett will be returning. Oh, I did. Yeah. I was, I didn't get a chance Um, to check sources on that one. I mean, that was posted down from like official sources. I saw. Um, I mean, Boba Fett returning would work, I think with either Peyton Reed or Robert Rodriguez, like maybe Boba and the Mandalorian team up for a heist. Or maybe Boba is like a extremely dangerous, violent entity to deal with yeah. after returning from the Sarlacc pit. And Robert Rodriguez would pair well with that. Yeah, I'm just hoping it's a whole episode of Boba Fett escaping from the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> I mean, we do kind of need that, right? That's, that's something we all want to see. Well, Not just him like walking after, around like, yeah, I got out of this pit. I want it canon that how he escapes. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice to have. And it, it would also maybe serve as a possible opportunity to turn Boba Fett from the bounty hunting villain into a sympathetic character. Well, I mean, they if you believe the rumors, they might have uh, content for an unused Boba Fett film floating around somewhere. So if they repurpose that for season two of The Mandalorian, that could be in there. Could be. 
and it, I believe like the the rumors were fueled by um, at least at the start was the casting. I think that they got the guy that played the clones. Yeah, I'm gonna butcher his name. Yeah, I don't want to try and say it, but um, I believe that casting was like the thing that sparked it, and then it just kind of leaked out afterwards. Like, yeah, that's gonna be Boba. I mean, do we assume it's Bo- is, are people assuming it's Boba, or is it just like this guy is cast? It must be Boba. Like he could be a clone. Well, uh, as far as I saw, it, like it it sounded pretty cemented that it was Boba. But I could very much see what you're saying. Like someone just sees his name on, because... a, on the cast list and says, "Oh, it's the Mandalorian show. It must be Boba Fett." Well, like Ahsoka's been confirmed in live action now. Is it? I felt like that was confirmed. I've never seen something from his official sources on that. Okay. I, I mean, I heard the rumor that Rosario Dawson was supposed to be her, but as far as I knew, that was just a rumor. I mean, that came from, like, like one of the publications said, like, we have this exclusive, we've learned Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka, but I haven't seen a press release or anything confirming that. Okay. So I'm still chalking that up as rumor. Well, what what I was getting at was... If that's true, it could very much be that he's playing a clone alongside Ahsoka. You know, maybe... Oh, yeah. You know, we... It's possible. Yeah, so that could be too. That's... That would... Yeah. I think... But I... I, As much as I want to see Boba Fett, like... Just for the way that rumors run rampant, part of me wants to be like, yes, just be a clone so everyone's fucking wrong about jumping on this story. Well, well I think with it, they'll, I, I think... they'll do it that it's just someone, We will, they'll not confirm it or not, but it'll just be someone in that same armor. Yeah. And it won't, you won't be able to, like, no one's going to be like, oh, that's Boba Fett. It's just going to be, hey, here's a character that doesn't talk wearing the similar armor to Boba Fett. Right. Even if you cast that guy, it's not like he's going to take his helmet off and be like, look, it's me. I look just like Jacob. No, Jango <laughs> no I, I would think if they if they cast him in this case because he's a lot older and a lot more out of shape, it would be somebody else in the costume. Yeah, they need him for the voice. And he would be right. He would be the voice behind the mask. Yeah. And I could see like here's the thing with it being Boba Fett over a clone though is that we already know the clones are very old come the time of Rebels. Right. And this is even further into the future. Yeah. Beyond that. So I think the assumption is that most of the clones would just be dead of old age. Well, I guess that was. By this time. I think that's some of the canon explanation, too, is like the stormtroopers suck because they're not clones. So the minute you take off a stormtrooper helmet and it's the clone from Attack of the Clones, then that kind of throws that to the wall and screws that whole thing up. Right. So, yeah, maybe I'm coming back around to Boba Fett, but. Yeah, I we'll won't have to. We'll have to wait and see. Again, I guess if you know if it comes out in the fall, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I'm hopeful that it's in the fall, but I'm thinking next spring is more likely given everything going on. Yeah. Just they haven't said anything yet because they don't know when it's actually going to happen. Kind of like they did with Black Widow. Until they knew when they were going to move it to, they didn't really announce that it was canceled. Right. So. Um, Ian, did you want to add something? Well, I just mean because there's so much you could do with it. You could even just garble the audio so you can't tell it's Boba Fett. Like, I think they'll do it just because there's such a demand for the character and they need to release new action figures. <laughs> Sad but true. 
But well, go ahead, Bradley. I was well, I was just saying the guy's name's Tam- Tamira. Tamira. Morrison. That's the guy where I kept trying to say Tom Tom Tamira. Like I kept saying Tom Way. That's why yeah. I've not Tom said Way. his name. <laughs> um, it, it, but they like having cast him. That's pretty much all that it could be is is, is for him voice acting Boba or a clone. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. They play it loose enough with like either garbled audio or something where, or it's just grunts or something where, hey, we're not going to confirm that it's him. You know. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe they're trying to lead into his own show too. Instead of a movie, maybe they give him a limited series. I mean, I feel like most of the ones, any of the the rumored like Star Wars story stuff, if if Disney's kind of gun shy on making a movie, like do what they did with Obi Wan and and put that stuff on Disney Plus as like you said, a limited series or something. I mean, unless they're maybe they're waiting to see what Obi Wan does, and then if they want to do other unused movie scripts and pad them out for a series, I guess they could do that. I don't know how they have any question about how well an Obi-Wan movie with Ewan McGregor would do. How 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 are they confused about that? That's what I don't understand. Like the guy carried the prequels. Yeah, but they might be and... talking billions compared to hundreds of million. That might be their issue. Like is yeah. this gonna print a billion. I mean I think it would. I mean it's a Star Wars Easily. film, so I think it's already gonna do extremely well. But is it worth to do that now, given, you know, COVID? <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't have to be now, now. No, but I mean, but... like, I, how long is it going to take the film industry to recover from this? Like, we have no idea. Well, no, but the, yeah, but they announced the Obi-Wan series before any of this was going on. I no, mean, I know, but I'm talking about celebration. going forward and doing the film. It just, I think right now... It makes sense to not do it because you can always save that for when, you know, they decide to shit out another three films that don't do as well as they think because <laughs> they suck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, either way, we're getting Obi-Wan, more Obi-Wan, so that's something else to look forward to down the line, too. Oh, yeah, I'm thrilled that it's a series because that means that, like, it's going to be more time with Obi-Wan than a movie would be. Yeah. I mean, that also might be just his schedule. He's like, I can do a TV show compared to a film. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess you'd think. I'm trying to think what would be. Are, are you assuming movies are more time? Well, they're more time in a a period. Like it's more time, like in that three months or whatever that they're filming it. Like he has to be there. With the TV show, yeah. they can kind of breathe it out, or you know, give him that respite if for whatever reason okay. he needs it. Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, TV shows typically go like longer as far as just the the time they film stuff but yeah maybe they just have more gaps in there that he can take although if the if you are playing obi-wan in the series is obi-wan i imagine you are there for the majority of filming of the series yeah but i think what ian was getting to is like he can film an episode here and then he can go for two three weeks to another project and come back and film another two three weeks to get another episode done i guess yeah i guess if they're releasing weekly you might be able to have a little bit of that that gap there yeah all right well either way we'll see see what happens um anything else to add for the star wars stuff because we're gonna move on to video game stuff make more star wars good (laughs) put that on the poster please (laughs) that's a freebie it's a freebie disney mmswg make more star wars good (laughs) 
Uh, all right, so we'll spin over to the video game stuff. Um, so I gotta. We'll start with this one. The, with you know everything going on in the world, numerous events and conventions and stuff have been canceled. Um, one of the bigger events for video games that was due to happen in June was E3, which is the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Uh, normally, we try to do an episode around the announcements from that show every year, um, but as a convention, E3 has sort of been on the decline. Like numerous companies, developers have all chosen not to participate in the show. Instead, they've all started to do their own events and announcements. I feel like Microsoft has been like the only one of the big holdouts that have had still participates in e, in E3. Um, Nintendo has done their own digital event. Um, Sony has opted to do their own thing for a few years now. E3 has been trying to revamp, like reinvent themselves, keep people interested. It struggled to give games proper exposure to adapt to an increasingly digital announcement model uh so it's it's had some hard times jeff Keeley, who is a video game journalist creator and host of the game awards who has covered e3 in some form for the past 25 years revealed back in february that he would not be participating in e3 this year when he was asked why he wasn't going to be participating Keeley told the washington post that based on what's been communicated to me about the show i just don't feel comfortable participating it's not a secret that E3 needs to evolve, and I have lots of ideas around that, but have decided to take a wait-and-see approach. And with everything going on, it seems like the wait-and-see approach has paid off. Uh, Keeley has stepped up to fill the void of what E3 should be doing now that it's been canceled. So he announced the Summer Game Fest, which is a four-month-long season of announcements, in-game events, demos, a bunch of surprises, culminating in some sort of finale, which is currently scheduled for August 24th. Uh, it's still, I feel like he's still catching up. Like this is almost like happening in real time when stuff is being scheduled. So you can check out the website at the summergamefest.com to see the schedule of events right now. There's not a lot there. Uh, like I said, they're still trying to get stuff booked and scheduled. So you can check that out. It's going to probably constantly update. Um, so if, as we hear more things, I'll try to update our accounts, just pointing you to times and events and what's going on. But uh, we'll start with uh, with Ian. What do you think about the announcement for this event? Well, Keeley has been doing so many amazing things. Like he's probably the video game journalist at this point. Yeah, like, he is so well known. And I, th- I want to go back to the E3 thing because they also had issues with leaking addresses and names for games <laughs> journalists last year. Like, there's a lot of shit wrong with E3, and I think it makes a lot of sense for him to try and expand into something new. Like, I know with Gamescom, they were trying to actually make Gamescom the new E3, and they've been working with Keeley. He made a whole video about it for now, but he was supposed to be heavily involved until the COVID thing came on. But I think Keeley has all these connections, and I think people trust him in the development community, that it makes a lot of sense to participate in this, and I think he can bring us a lot of unique content. And that's, I think, the key thing right now with everything going on. Like, you know Keeley can pull off a show that looks really cool. Like, he's done that with his Game Awards. He's very much, um, not just tied into that, but he's very articulate in defending it and, like, saying, hey, this is why I set it up this way. And I think with this Summer Games Fest, he can really bring in all of these developers and give them a... He can present it in a nice way that makes all these developers look good. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. why they want to be with Keeley. And, it, like, it, no one else, I think, in the games industry could do this. Yeah, I agree. I think he does such a good job of exactly what you're saying. 
he's able to take anything and make it look good. Make it look fun. And that that's why they're going to work with him to do it. And I, I'm really looking forward to see how this turns out. Um, I think it could be signaling somewhat the future of how we get this content type of stuff delivered. Like the big conventions and whatnot, I think are going to probably end up a, a thing of the past. Um, because they don't necessarily make the most sense for it. A digital event, um, to me, makes more sense. Well, I think with the uh, conventions, like, they get so much money from selling the tickets, that's why they'll keep doing them. Like, that's why BlizzCon will keep happening once they can do it. You think they couldn't run a pay-per-view for these? Oh, BlizzCon sells digital tickets, too, though. That's the thing. You get more money, though, from people well, showing up in person. But But not all of them do. Is what I mean. Like it's, There's I feel like no they reasons could... not to tap both streams of income. That's what I'm getting at. I guess sure. I sort of to Ian's point, I or you know somewhere in the middle. Like I still think the events will happen. Like something like PAX. Like that's a video game event to celebrate video games. Yeah. But there's not really announcements that come out of PAX. It's just a place to gather and check out games, which oh, I yeah. feel like right. is what E3 should almost be going forward. I don't. But... I don't know if you know the announcements will sell tickets, but I don't think. To Mike's point, they have to be at the event. I think digital announcements is the way to go. That's the thing. With PAX, it's definitely more for the individual gamer to go and congregate with other gamers. Where E3 originally was billed as for developers. Here's where you come pitch the ideas. It's not um that Games Dev Con where you're pitching it to investors and stuff. But it was always a thing where you come and you're pitching your ideas to the mass audience. It's not for you to go and attend and have fun. That's why it was originally limited to journalists, even though that didn't work out because E3 sucks again. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think things like PAX, I think, will continue. Where like, And that that's what I was kind of getting at, is things like delivering the information to like that they did with E3 to journalists, I don't see continuing. Well, it's the thing. I, it, I like, see it doing that because you get the massive articles if you limit it to those journalists, and then you release it digitally so everyone can still see it. Like, you, you do it at, like, this big E3-type events because you get those massive articles from all of the games journalists being there. Like, if you do it digitally, you can get a lot of that, too, but giving them, like, oh, pretending it's an exclusive first look for journalists... They're more like you get everyone to write about it because the everyman like us won't be able to see it like that way. Like that's why you keep doing those kinds of events. But, and, and I feel like does that actually benefit them? And, and that's and I think that's something that we need to think about when we look at something like E3 and is giving an exclusive first look to journalists who then deliver that look to us actually beneficial when they could just deliver that look directly to us. And put their own spin on it with their own host of the show telling us all about it, as opposed to a potentially negative outlook coming from a journalist who maybe didn't like what they saw. Whereas they can just deliver us the direct content that they want to be put forth. I think it comes down to, like, it, it's going to be tough, though, because I think originally this E3 was going to be a very big marker for we need to participate this in this way and this whole COVID-19 has completely fucked that and really changed like how they're going to deliver content in the future and I th think it's giving a good test but like we yeah. saw with this I think we're going to talk about this inside Xbox event they're not good at setting up their own thing <laughs> <laughs> well 
it, we'll, we'll talk about that when we're ready, but that's not necessarily coming from first party. That's third party delivering, you know, like Xbox delivering third party content as opposed to the, you know, developer themselves delivering the content in their own way. I just think, like, even you see with CD Projekt Red, they're willing to participate in these big things. And, you know, I'm using them as an example because they're probably the biggest independent developer there is currently. And they yeah. they know, like, okay, it makes sense to participate in these big things because we get the Keanu Reeves thing. Like, you get that, you get these mass amount of articles because of Keanu Reeves. Like, that wouldn't have worked in just their own separate thing online only. You needed that audience to be like, well, you are sure. amazing, Keanu Reeves. You're beautiful. I love you, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Like, you needed, the, you needed that whole thing for that to work as well as it did. Well, let me ask and, you, and I'm not saying the... the big events, but what would be the difference if that happened online versus in person? Right, that's what I was going to ask. It would like, still be a huge, Sony like, still oh, holy shit moment. But Sony still no books a convention room. Reeves. Well, no, look, Sony still books a convention room with people. When they do their announcements, they just broadcast it to the internet instead of being at E3 to do it. But E3 does that too, though. You can watch that whole show online, but it's bringing it all in. Yeah. It's it's just participating in that market because it's a well known brand. Like I think E three is, is a bad argument because I think E three is dead. I, I don't know if there's going to be another E three, but I think well, having yeah, these things like a Gamescoms makes sense. Like bringing all these people to a massive event with the marketing behind it makes more sense than hey we're going to do our private aircraft hangar show for Xbox right. or whatever. Okay. I got you. Like it's just so e yeah go ahead. So E three still needs to happen. It just needs updated and like call it, like you're basically taking like the what E three should have been and and you want to make it what it should be. Correct. You know what I mean? That's what Gamescom is trying to do. Yeah. Right. Then you know we got fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything got kind of turned on its head. But I think we're going to see a lot of what the digital delivery system is capable of this summer with this Summer Games Fest. And I think that's going to give us a look at what the future might be or what it could be capable of and how effective it is or isn't. I mean, it's a market test for them. Because I think with Keeley, he would want to do this at like a big event, like in-person stuff. But he yeah. just oh, no, yeah. he's, he can't right now. So I think well, he does, that's right. how this would have been if this old quarantine shit didn't happen. I mean, when E3 was happening for the last couple of years, he's done his own, like, weekend-long event where he would, like, basically live stream and have interviews all day. All right, like, like that... From, yeah. Like, he knows that's his thing. Like, the Game Awards is huge, but E3 was his thing. That's yeah how he gets all this... Like, that's how he puts his whole, almost, brand worth working. He just... Because it, it brings in all of these developers in the same location for a weekend so you can do all of these interviews and stuff. That's why it's important is you need all of these people in the same place to do these interviews. That's why I think going forward you need like an on-site thing because you're not going to be able to schedule interviews with everyone as easily if it's all digital. Like, right. So you need a captive audience is what you're saying. Well, you just also need them, like CD Projekt Red to fly in people. You need all these developers to be in one location so you can bang these all out. Like, I know from uh, Giant Bomb, those mentioned that before, like, they go to these events because all these developers are there. 
if the developers weren't there physically, like they're not going and covering it because who cares? Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, to the point you made earlier, when Keeley was running those events for E3, that was his his opportunity to highlight some of the developers that don't get a lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. All the ones that he would find on the show floor that he's talked to, that he has connections with, that they want to come and talk about their little indie game that doesn't really get a lot of press on the on the show floor. He can highlight them on his stream and give them some airtime and show them what the game, show everybody what the game looks like and stuff. That was perfect for that kind of thing. No, exactly. Like back when EGM existed, like that was probably my favorite part of their issue. They would go, I forget what the hall was called, but it was the hall of just like the random small developers pitching their products. And that was always my favorite feature from EGM, just seeing these like guys like putting their whole livelihood on the line (laughs) at E3. And like, here it is. Here's our. Back like when VR wasn't a thing in like 2004. Here's our VR massage chair. Like just go. <laughs> like I always love that from EGM. Like that was why I love those issues. Like seeing that stuff I wouldn't see elsewhere. Like yeah. that's why I think it's important to have these huge encompassing events because the small guys know they got to go there because they can get the coverage. Right. Like, it's not um, so much for, yeah, like, Sony and stuff. Like, they know they can do their own thing, but small developers want this congregation of everyone right. else. Um, Andy, I know you've been on the some of the past episodes. We've covered the E3 stuff. So, I mean, are you sad to see E3, to, I guess, getting canceled? Do you, how do you think Summer Game Fest is going to fill the um, void? I, I, won't, I won't be sad to see E3 getting canceled as long as something fills the void just as you just said and i am kind of excited to see that instead of just like a one week little cram all this information into one week they're sort of like stretching it out to a few months i i like that i I feel like that gives easier for us to cover yeah easier for us to cover and it's um maybe easier for developers to put finishing touches on some of their trailers or their presentations and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that aspect of it. And, um, uh, it, they just have to do it right, you know, and especially since this is sort of like a trial by fire because they don't really have any other options. I think this is, a, will really tell us how it will be going forward. Yeah. I feel like, you know, reading some of the stuff from from Jeff when he was talking back in February, what E3 needed to do, and I feel like you could you could tell he was thinking, I got this, I figured out, I think I can do this. But he's probably thinking maybe like next year, and then like right. all this shit happened. It's like, well, I sort of have this plan in place. I think we can sort of make it work. Oh, you know, fuck, we're just gonna do it. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I think with Keely, like he's shown with the Game Awards, like I can run this thing right now. But he's also thinking five, ten years down the road. Oh yeah, how to yeah. do this, and I think. This also helps the developers, like what Andy was saying, giving them time. Because you, there was always that crunch around E3 with them rushing out a build to show yeah, yeah. E3. So this gives them a little more breathing room to not do that E3 crunch, which yeah. I think the developers appreciate. <laughs> which might also make you know them more likely to participate because they're like, oh, we have time to squash these bugs or get a presentable build out. It's not throw all the resources in and hire... A whole extra studio just to make sure we have something presentable. All right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are games that what like two years ago they showed that um, uh, Skull and Crossbones game, and it's still not even close to being oh, coming yeah. out. I haven't heard like, shit what, from that game for a while. Right. Yeah. What the fuck? 
it that was, that was the whole pirate thing uh, we talked about. On <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, yeah, the pirate theme thing. Yeah, because it was supposed to come out right around or slightly after Sea of Thieves. Yeah. Something. So, yeah, because they sort of got announced at the same time. Yeah, yeah. There was that um, PS4 like game where with the monster that was in development for like eight years that they just kept showing at E3. Like there's there's stuff that happens there that's just so far out. You're like, why are you showing this? Yeah. So hopefully, right. Keeley's yeah. thing. It's like this might come out sometime. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. It's like if he could, it would be neat for fans of video games. To show us the stuff that is soon, instead of like, oh, this might be within the next ten years. Let's just show them what the fuck we got now. Partly you know? though, I don't know if that's up to him though. If he like says, okay, Microsoft, I'm going to give you some airtime to announce whatever you want. Have at it. They're still going to announce stuff that's three years out. No, but I'm sure with him, yeah. he's talking to them. Like he has an idea of what they're going to show. That's part of the negotiation, almost. Right. I Fair. feel like okay. he, he almost has a chance to vet. He's like, okay, pitch me, and then yeah. I'll tell you if he'll make it down to his summer game. Like, fest. he's not. You know, okay. He can random guy. It's Keeley. Like, he can easily <laughs> he can get these kinds of things. That's I think what's exciting yeah. about this is you know he can get current like something coming out soon, and be right. like, hey, yeah. I, that's what I want from you guys. And Microsoft will be like, yeah, sure, you're Keeley. <laughs> yeah, Sh- show us what the launch titles are going to be with the new consoles. That's yeah. what we like. That's what people want to see. They want to see what's coming out this fall. What's coming out this summer. What's yeah. coming out at Christmas time. Yeah, early twenty twenty one, something like that. You know. Well, sort of spinning right. into that, since this is more or less replacing E three, which gives us the announcements for the next year ish. Um, is there anything you guys want to see that might pop up through Summer Game Fest? Any announcements you're Elden waiting on? Ring. Elden. Yeah, Elden 100%. Ring would be awesome. Yeah. They they showed that last year at at E3, didn't they? Yeah, that's that's all. That's still all we officially have is a trailer from last year's E3. See, I hope that like that game, along with some others, like doesn't get lost in whatever the hell uh, Skull and Crossbones got lost in. Like (laughs) I don't know if it's like production hell or like limbo or whatever the fuck it is. But no, I mean that's from software. That's gonna that's coming. Like it's going to be done. It's just there. When when well. What That's was thing, originally, yeah. specifically Elden Ring, was supposed to be shown at a show in South Korea in February. They had a slated, like, big announcement for it, but that show obviously got canceled due to this. So they haven't, I guess, rescheduled when they're going to show the information that they were going to show. What, like, whatever they were going to show, they haven't decided when yet. And I think this Summer Games Fest is the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Anything else on your mind? Do you guys want to see? Uh, maybe, like, um, a little segment of, like, updates of previous games. Like stuff they announced last year or something like that? Yeah. Just just a short little, like, you know, like we're not going to get are information... They now? Yeah, almost yeah. like that. Yeah, or like a VH1 pop-up video where are they now thing. Like I don't know. <laughs> like just prove, hey, that wasn't vaporware. It's just actually <laughs> a thing. Yeah, it wasn't just a you know 
a smoke screen or just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And then they were like, ah, fuck that. We're just going to do not do that. <laughs> hey, it's um, Half-Life 3. I mean, are yeah. there any rumors around that? Is that no. possibly happening? No, so it's So you're just not. hoping for happening. the uh, surprise announcement? It will never happen. <laughs> yeah, Half-Life Alex is the closest you're going to get. Which was surprising because, like, that's the thing with Valve. Like, they've always said with these Half-Life games, they wanted to showcase new. Like, like the Half-Life 2 was all about, like, the physics. They need a movement forward, and Half-Life Alex was like, hey, here's our depth in the VR. So I just don't know what could possibly be released technology-wise for them to ever do Half-Life 3. It would have to be full-on HoloLens for all of us. <laughs> I was going to say, like, haptic feedback gloves that do what you're doing on screen. Nintendo already released that, and it was amazing. <laughs> the power glove. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's 20 years old. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess another one for me, too, would be Halo Infinite. I'd love to see something of what that's going to be like. That's They've already said too. that's going to be at the next, like, Inside Xbox event in July. Okay. So, Did they? Yeah. They also said this one would have gameplay footage. So You're yeah. not wrong, but I think if they <laughs> announce they're doing their own event in July, they're not going to show something before that, at least. Maybe in August, if we're still doing Summer Games Fest, sure, show a little more, but I don't think we'll see yeah. that outside of the inside Xbox thing, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. They'll just and, and, schedule that as part of Summer Game Fest. Whatever Xbox is doing, their events are just going to show up on the schedule for Summer Game Fest. Yeah. Which I feel and, like and is I how most like, of them are going to be. I mean, I would like to see more Yeah, scoring. it'll be Keeley covering a lot of those events that are happening. Right. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that Amazon MMORPG will be involved, because I would like to see more of that. New World? Yeah. I would like to see a yeah. lot more of that, so hopefully they get involved in this, too. And then they can. You, yeah. When when you say Amazon, you mean like the online the Amazon. Yeah, Amazon has a game development studio making an MMORPG. They, they just re- really. Yeah. It they just released really a cool. game called Crucible. That's a uh, shooter um, that looks pretty good. I haven't played it yet, but New World is an MMORPG that looks pretty awesome. Is it about like? Christopher Columbus and well, that's <laughs> no well, that's the thing they did it it was really cool I thought because it is showing like you basically going to the Americas essentially like in essence it's or people going a to new a, world yeah a new world and you can see like in the what we've seen like it's multiple time periods you have, you have Romans you have that early like revolutionary period like they've shown multiple periods and it's kind of about colonialism so I think it could okay. be really cool story-wise, and the gameplay looks pretty fucking cool so far. I would love to see yeah. more of that, and I'm sure somehow it's going to tie into the Amazon's cloud service. And I would sure <laughs> yeah. they would love to promote so, that at Games Fest. To, to give you an idea, like, why New World looks so cool, Andy, you have, um, so, like, a similar, like, fortress, fortress defense, castle defense, whatever you want to call it, system, where there's going to be, like, a large-scale battle going on around you. But you are in control of a single character, and it has very Souls-like combat. So oh, God. Okay. So you're in control of a single character while there's this whole giant battle going on around you. I'm out. But you're also in control <laughs> of all the... Fo- well, no, no, no. It's not It's not meant to be like Dark Souls difficulty level, but I'm saying like it has like, you know... You unsold me. 
<laughs> Damn it, Bradley! PVE battles. We we Did talked t- about it. I, I uh, kept on the my receipt. We do for the. Uh, I kept my receipt. Are there are there returns available? <laughs> we talked about it on the stream uh, podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. You can find that on tyrannus.twitch.com. But I think the big. Thing, I can send you the video. The big thing with that is is that's the end goal. Like they're endgame content is you doing all of these battles and i think they look really cool because a lot of mmos have struggled with getting live combat not just smashing on hotkeys and you have like 50 mm-hmm. of them and shit and i think this has done a good job of like showing interactive i want to say combat where it you feel like you're actually doing something and not just smashing a key that does more damage and it looks yeah, telling really the cool. troops to go left and attack like I think I really I signed up for the beta. I'm super pumped for when that comes out, and I'm hoping we see more of that at Games Fest because Amazon has I don't know if you guys know this money, like an absurd <laughs> amount. So they can really you heard them. Amazon has money. They can make the greatest game ever if they wanted. And I'm All right, hoping is, we see is that. this a Master Race only game? Uh, it's currently I believe only on PCs for the beta, but they're planning on releasing it on consoles too. Okay. Next gen, right? We haven't got confirmation yet, I don't think, because okay. they're not sure so of it's... release dates and stuff. But I would assume it's going to be like um like how we're going to talk about the inside Xbox. I, I bet it's going to be current consoles and next gen and Stadia. Okay. Because Stadia still exists. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> it's got to be on Stadia. I mean, they can't miss that one. It is the platform for <laughs> games. Yeah. They're getting um... FIFA on Stadia, so. <laughs> that was the biggest announcement, I don't know, this week, I think. FIFA Stadia. <laughs> In 2021. <laughs> oh, good lord. Um, I, I would say, like, yeah, what, what they're able to do with that game is going to tell us a lot um, about what Amazon's future as a game developer is going to be. You know what I mean? Because we have that game called Crucible out now. I don't think it's getting a lot of play, as far as I know. I haven't even um, heard of it. But this one, they're pushing pretty well. And I want to say it's June or July? June that the beta's available? June something? That they pushed it back to? And yeah. then August is the official release for the game? So you would think they um, would want to participate in some kind of event like this where everyone will know about it that's involved in gaming. Right. The other big thing I would um, love to see though is cyberpunk. Cause that's, I, I need more cyberpunk yeah. content. I actually think they're already yeah. on the schedule. Thank God. Yeah. I was going to say, I want them to have Go five ahead. hours. Just, I don't even care what it <laughs> is. Just talk. So cyberpunk is one where like, I feel like I've seen enough to already know I want to buy the game, but seeing more content from it is just like bonus. It's just awesome. Like, every time you see Cyberpunk, it's just like, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, something that struck me as odd, though. Um, this was a bit of Cyberpunk news that came out earlier this week. I don't know if it was leaked or if they put it out intentionally. Um, so in your character creation during Cyberpunk, you're actually going to be custom- be able to customize your genitals. Thank God. I've been demanding I'm this. not shitting you. For years. Um... I don't know who thought that up as an inclusion into a game, but you're going to be able to do it. 
So uh, can't wait. Are, are you talking like green... customizing like cybernetic enhancements to the <laughs> genitalia, or what? What? I'm I'm pretty sure there's going to be a length and girth. Uh, slider. Like, are we talking like, like slider yeah. vibro dong nine thousand? Like you got down there? Like what? <laughs> I mean that that th- those details. Andy, were not we're talking R G B. That's what I was thinking. Is like white man green cock. Like uh, this is the kind of electric content you get on Bright Guys and Super Friends. <laughs> you can tell I've already checked out. Oh. Oh, next thing I've just been watching you the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine, imagine if there's like genital upgrades in loot boxes. I can just see him writing down cut all of this. <laughs> but I, I, I'm really excited to see more from Cyberpunk. I, it, it seems like it's the game like that I'm most excited yeah. for. I know I am most excited for. I think it's the game everyone's kind of waiting for. I think it might be the most the thing everyone's expecting and so that's why everyone wants this content. Just give me more cyberpunk and don't put Keanu Reeves in it because I need him to not be COVID. COVIDed. Keep him safe. Um, Keep Keanu yeah. safe. COVID? Do they have like a, a staunch release date for this? or 130 days I believe. Okay. They so have, like every day CD Projekt Red's putting out a tweet with like a countdown of the days. Are they uh, and it's definitely going to be just this console or probably both if you it, it, the way it's working they already said if you buy it for say xbox one that license will transfer to xbox series x okay. but they have said that they can't tell you if the same thing works for sony because sony won't let them because sony hasn't yeah. announced their plans for that yes because sony is sony uh, i'll be buying it on pc personally so i'm not really pressed with like that as much but i like i would hope that they should do that. And I think they talked about it with the Xbox Live event thing. Or inside Xbox event. Where like most games now are going to do that. Coming For up. For Xbox, you buy them. all first party games will work on both platforms. And they're working with developers so that it's true for third party games. Yeah. Buy it for Xbox One and it'll be a good license for Xbox Series. Yeah, it'll be tied to your okay. gamer tag. Okay. Yeah, which is something that's like fucking finally, you know what I mean? Especially with like retro games or games like, you know, like say you bought an Xbox 360 or an Xbox original Xbox game like Knights of the Old Republic. I want my license that I already own for Light- Knights of the Old Republic to transfer over to Series X. Or you know I mean, I feel like it should transfer with my account. Um. Whereas new games, it should definitely be the case. Older games, I, I mean, I'm hoping. They I mean, that's what the backwards compatibility is for. Yeah, but it, it, in the past, they've had backwards compatibility and charged us. I mean, because so, well, it's a download, it's a digital download. But I, so when I go to download it again, but if you still have the game, if you had the disc, they're they're assuming people are hanging onto their disc. If you put the disc in the console, it will work. I I hear you on that, but why is it not the same for digital content? Well, different licensing, but I think with the Series X that they are trying to make that the reality. That if you've already purchased right. the game on digitally, it will you will be able to play it on the new platform. Yeah, because this is really the first yeah. generation where every like digital games have taken off. Right. 
Yeah. So it's probably the first time and they the, really had to worry about it. And have we seen that, like, the... Ser- yeah, I guess the Series X does have a Blu-ray player. Yes. So... Yeah. It will have a, a disc drive on it still. Um, and Ian, just to inform you, June 11th is when the Cyberpunk event is scheduled. Okay, for cool. Summer Game Fest. Okay, I am marking my calendar. Take it doesn't say a time, off. it just says I'll take day. the whole day off, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be ten minutes of Cyberpunk content. And I will be happy. If you want to, Ian, if you go to the Summer Game Fest website and look at that event for June, you can add it to your Google Calendar and be alerted when the event happens. That's what I'm doing right now, and I'm also going to text. <laughs> Ke- I'm going to tweet Keeley. We've talked <laughs> before, so I'm sure he'll respond this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it looks like the next. There's not a lot of stuff scheduled, like I said, but the next event is May 12th, so that's on Friday, next Friday, or this coming Friday. Um, it just says, join Jeff Keighley for a surprise game reveal. So he's revealing something that's, next Friday. May, May 12th is not Friday. May 12th, I thought, oh, 15th, sorry, it's Friday. 12th is what? Yeah. Tuesday, sorry. Yeah. I'm going to say it's the 9th already. It's yeah, the... I'm getting all my, I don't know what day of the week it is, I'm all fucked up. It is currently Sunday. It is not Sunday. <laughs> I, that much I know. <laughs> Brian's working four days on, four days off. He has no fucking clue what day it is. Yeah, I know I set my alarm to get up tomorrow morning, so I know tomorrow is Sunday. That's day one of being on. <laughs> um, all right, so we've been touching about it. We'll we'll spin over to there. The Xbox, uh, inside Xbox that they did, um, which, like I said, was sort of billed as the first summer game fest announcement type of thing. Uh, Microsoft was teasing the event as being a gameplay reveal for the Xbox Series X, and it was had a very I don't know, lack of gameplay. We'll say there was a lot of cinematic trailers, uh, which some of them featured a little bit of gameplay, not for something built as a gameplay reveal. They didn't really t- show a lot of stuff. I, I I can recall specifically in this in that example of them looking at the Assassin's Creed trailer that they showed. And saying, look at that gameplay. And I'm like, that's a cinematic, you fuck. <laughs> like, that is not gameplay. Yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not in the perspective of the character that I'm going to be playing as in any part of that Assassin's Creed stuff that they show. Yeah. Nowhere in there was their gameplay. Not one second of gameplay. And they're like, look at the gameplay footage. I'm like. I think I like. It's like getting pissed. Like, no. I guess in my mind, I was thinking when they said gameplay reveal that they would sit on one or two games for like a half an hour and show you a 15 minute, like, demo. Of this is what the game plays like. That's what I had in my mind. But this just looked like a snippet of E3 when they're just going announcement after announcement after announcement. This was just yeah. trailers. There was almost no gameplay. And Some they, of the trailers and, featured like snippets of gameplay. And as Bradley said, yeah. they kept Reflex. saying gameplay, and it's like, no, that was clearly not gameplay. <laughs> right. Like, don't like, lie to me to my face. Come on and say, like, we listened to... You know we're on we're on the interwebs and we've seen what you said. We know you want gameplay, so we're gonna make sure that all of this is gameplay. And then you watch the trailers after that, and you're like, "Where's the fucking gameplay?" Yeah, like this is this is a trailer, like specifically Scorn. There is not an instant of anything that looks like anything that you'll actually see in game. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird as fuck. I am also wondering if that is the game because I would buy that still. <laughs> Just based on the location. Just five hours of that. (laughs) Yeah, you're just watching it. You're not even. You don't even play Scorn. You just watch weird shit for five hours. You experience Scorn. (laughs) Yeah, it's an experience. 
Um, Andy, you didn't actually watch the event, right? You were just trying to catch up on trailers afterwards. I just tried to watch some of the trailers, yeah. Okay. Um, since we sort of already touched on, even before and now, just how ungameplay the gameplay event was, um, out of the stuff that they showed, just the, the trailers, not gameplay again, the trailers that they showed, what uh, stuck out to you guys? Anything that you, you guys were already talking about Scorn? Uh, I thought not hold for me, but yeah, the ascent looked pretty neat as far as like um, type of game. You don't see that type of game very often uh, right now, and I think it would be. It almost had a. Um, uh, oh god, what was it called? X Men Legends sort of gameplay, like a Diablo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what I got from it. Yeah. 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 Um but much different setting and a yes. really cool looking setting. Yeah. yeah. And I think if it had like a really cool like couch or even like um Xbox Live co-op to it, I think that'd be really neat. I think it I think it touted four player co-op. Yeah. Like tackle it with your friends type of thing. Yeah, but is is it all online or could like I sit next to somebody on the couch? Oh uh, yeah, I guess we don't know co-op. which one it is. Yeah, cuz I feel like that's almost like a lost thing in a lot of games nowadays like you can't yes. I can't sit on the same console and play something with a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Friends want to get together, have some beers, and play some games. Yeah. In person. Right. Just give us that option. I don't know. But it it seems like this one might be available in in that aspect. And it looked cool. I didn't really get what what the fuck was going on at all. But it it captured my interest enough to maybe uh, try a demo if they have one. Yeah, I thought that one looked cool, too. That one was on my list. Uh, one of the ones that stuck out to me, I cannot remember the name of it. Um, it was the one they had where they were flying around in space a lot. Oh, Chorus. Yes. Chorus. Yes, yeah. that's the name of it. That looked awesome. Um, yeah, the gameplay, there was actual gameplay stuff. shown there. Like That's one of the ones that actually showed what I feel like was gameplay. Yeah. And the gameplay looked cool as shit. Whether it plays, cool shit, we don't know yet, but it looked awesome. To me, the gameplay looked a bit like the um, space simulation missions from the the Old Republic MMORPG. And that got okay. very, very monotonous. <laughs> it, but didn't it look like at points, though, that they showed you were on foot as well? Uh, did it? I thought so. I, I thought that... I th- yeah. Maybe the majority of it was but... for sure space combat. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that has its place, though. And I feel like games like that are, are something that maybe if it's something you can pick up, play for a half an hour, 45 minutes, and be satisfied and put it down for a couple of days and then pick it back up when you feel like shooting shit in space again. Yeah. I feel like that's something that video games are missing these days. Everything seems like every game you pick up now requires some kind of grind. Right? Yeah. Some kind of like extensive long-winded journey to get the thing you're after yeah yeah ever since Whereas, um like x-wing versus tie fighter and x-wing alliance i feel like we've been as gamers we've been missing that sort of really awesome space simulation dogfighting sort of game yeah and nothing's really filled that void if this fills that void then i'm in yeah, I'm hesitant. I mean, I feel like I'm Battlefront Two does a decent that. job with it. Yeah, Battlefront Two space not. combat is very uh, undersold. I think that space combat's awesome. Yeah. It's really good. I just, I just sort of wish that, um, I don't know, you had more options. 
True. Like, you know. Yeah, a game that's built specifically for space combat, because Battlefront is just a section of the game. So there's, you know, there's only five or six levels, you're limited on ships and that kind of thing. But in something like, if Chorus is, is, like I said, built up just around space combat, I'm hoping there's, like, ship customization. If you're stuck with the same ship the whole time, I... I don't know if that might get old to me. I like to be able to customize things. Or buy new buy a new ship or, yeah, or have $10. ship upgrades and yeah. <laughs> which is sad but true. <laughs> they could probably do something like that for sure. Yeah. My problem of course was it looked just like a like an updated Star Fox sixty four. Like it felt like that I would yeah, I would be in for that. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to do more with the gameplay. It felt like it's very linear like, directed levels, I have to go through this thing, I have to go through this circular object, I have to go in here, where I would oh, I prefer a more open space shooter, where yeah. I get to really choose okay. what I'm doing, not, okay, I'm, my ship's constantly moving forward, and I just have to f- fill into the thing. That's what I meant by the the Old Republic, okay. it's like that, you know, you have to sort of hit these marks while your ship is moving and you don't really have you can sort of slow down a little bit but you're still moving forward but you can't go backwards you can't veer off course you know yeah okay i mean and and i think see like i i think i'm the opposite where like i feel like i want something like that i want something that's just focused on good gameplay that doesn't require a ton of exploration a ton of this that or the other that is just focused on go in and have a fun experience that doesn't have to be elongated by anything. But I'll just play Star Fox 64 if I want that. Like, I can already play that game. I mean, if we're talking about a game that could be remastered, or even Star Fox remade 64 3DS, I can already play the remaster. <laughs> well, I don't have a 3DS. Um, and I don't plan on getting one. But at the same time, I would... I, would, I mean, yeah, Star Fox 64 is fantastic. I agree. But I, I feel like new games are missing anything like that. I feel like there's very few games out there that are about pick it up for a little bit and you can put it back down. It's all about overtime engagement. And that's not necessarily a bad business model, but I feel like sometimes it makes games feel oppressive to start a new game. Because you're going to have to really dedicate so much time to every new game you pick up if you're going to fully experience it. Then maybe I don't want to have to dedicate all that time. Anytime I pick up a new game, right? And that's what I'm kind of speaking to with how if this fits that mold, I'd be happy with that. I guess I just with this, of course, I specifically wanted to see something new. But I'm like, I've played this game, I've seen this gameplay. It exists <laughs> on the Nintendo 64. <laughs> <laughs> like they literally well, we'll, did a barrel we'll see. roll, like. Come on. I did see that. Yes. And the ship did have a bit of a Star Fox 64 look to it. I mean, the Arwing's a fucking cool looking ship, so... Can't go wrong there. Oh, no, no, I'm not... Yeah, no. But I I get what Ian's saying about it, where it has that look and feel. But I don't feel like... What was it? Andrus or something like that was the final... Andros! (laughs) Andros, that's it. Where I don't feel like we're going to be shooting a giant face in space. Yeah, uh, which would be a big miss. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else stuck out to you guys? You, I, Bradley and Ian, you guys were talking about uh, the Bright Memory Infinite 
game. Yes, and he, Ian brought up something I didn't know about it, so I'll let him go off on that. Oh, so Bright Memory is already out on Steam, episode like one or season one, and it's from a Chinese developer, and they stole assets from different games to make it. So that's pretty well known, and they haven't shown anything unique, I think, yet since that's like, hey, we, we're not stealing assets anymore. So, yeah, and, and this is something when they talked about the game that actually surprised the hell out of me because they were talking about it and they said it was made by one person. And I, I was like, wow, that's amazing. How could one person do this? And then Ian says, well, they were stealing assets. And it's like, oh, that's how. <laughs> that's how one person makes a game like that that looks that amazing just by themselves, not with a whole studio as they just stole a bunch of assets. Um, It still looks cool. The gameplay looks pretty cool. Um, no idea what the hell the story's about in it at all. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck was going on, but you ended up in like a DeLorean-esque car at the end, didn't you? Yeah. So I was like, well, that looks cool. I'm I'm interested in that. <laughs> right. It, it, there was so much of it that like looked fun just from that short trailer where I was like, I'm interested. Um, although I don't know, like from what Ian's saying about it, I don't know how much I support somebody doing something like that. Yeah, right, yeah. And also, I guess for me, the trailer felt weird because it's like, why am I shooting guns at samurai? <laughs> you don't ask questions, Ian. You just shoot them. And I also, it did that thing I feel like you always see with when we're in that period of next gen coming out, where the ammo is very obvious, like how much shots you have left. <laughs> like that, I feel like always a thing when we're getting the next gen games. It's like, we got to show these guys the ammo fucking simulator. <laughs> so they know how many shots they have left. But I mean, it looks cool, like... Blending in the FPS with the sword combat is good concept, I think. It's just I have issues with the developer currently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's, like I said, I was very hyped for it until I heard that. So it's kind of bittersweet news to find out that's yeah. what was happening. I didn't it, know that but... either. Um, anything else? I mean, we, we got to speak. Some, at least a bit about the Assassin's Creed look, because uh, that was their big thing. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, for the first time in a while, I'm excited to play Assassin's Creed again. Odyssey and uh, what was the one before Odyssey? Origin. Origin. Origin didn't really spark me into wanting to hop back in. Because, um, you know, the last one I actually played was 4. And, you know, I'm just not that into the Egyptian timeline or, the, like, the Roman. Is it Roman or Greek in Odyssey? I want to say Greek. Okay. I'm just not that into that history. You know, I mean, that those times in history. But, like, the Vikings will draw me back in. That, that setting will interest me much more uh, and definitely get me to play. I want to see, I definitely want to see some, finally, gameplay for this thing. Like, just the trailers give me, like, that For Honor vibe, which is another Ubisoft game. Yeah. It was sort of, I mean, it plays with different eras and, and different types of fighters, but Viking was one of them. I, I can't imagine the combat for Assassin's Creed is going to be as in-depth as what For Honor is, but I just get that vibe from just the look of the two games. They're, I feel like they're similar. I mean, one of the cool things yeah. I think they announced was that you're going to be able to take your longship and raid. Which seems yeah. super oh, okay. cool. It's almost like with uh, that Assassin's Creed pirate one where it's like, I prefer doing pirate stuff on my pirate ship than the rest right. of the game. So I feel like this race right. could be the same thing. Like, just give me that game. 
I will pay you <laughs> yeah. to just go on pi- on Viking raids. Well, that's the game well, Andy I, keeps referring to that they won't ever talk about again. That's Skull yeah, and Crossbones game Skull is Crossbones. Pirate Assassin's Creed. Yeah, minus the Assassin's Creed story and gameplay, you're just doing piratical stuff. And yes. <laughs> that's no. what I like wanted from Sea of Thieves. <laughs> like, let me go do pirate shit. I've been waiting for that since um that uh, Sid Meier's Pirates. Give me that game uh, already. That... That is one of my all-time favorite games. Like, so I you still just hit play a chord it. with Andy. You guys yeah. just became best friends. <laughs> Look, I have yeah. that on cool. Xbox and PC. Just give me an <laughs> Sid Meier's Pirates 2020. <laughs> See, what I've always thought would be cool would just, just have an open-world Sid Meier's Pirates. Yes! Just, like, make it an MMORPG where you just run around with your fleet and do Sid Meier's Pirates. And when you duel each other, you know, it's, it's almost like a Street Fighter-type game where you each have, like, a different style and you just, like, sort of duke it out. Awesome. Yeah, and if that's like Black Flag, that's what I was saying before. Assassin's Creed Four is the one that was the pirate Assassin's Creed, and that's the last one I played, and it's still my favorite Assassin's Creed by far because of what you're saying. They let you do the pirate stuff. Yeah, I mean they let you really uh, take over as a character, doing what the game should have been about, and they. Yeah, I mean, in turn, they created, like, Assassin's Creed 4 to me still has the best, like, ship-to-ship combat ever. Like, it is, it's deep, it's fun. You could hunt the white whale if you wanted to. Like, Moby Dick was out there in the water to find if you wanted to hunt him down. It was, it was great. And knowing that they're gonna really lean into the Viking thing has me very much interested in... What is this called? Valhalla? Yeah. So, um, Vikings are kind of like the predecessors to pirates in a lot of ways. You know, they were, you know, raid, rape, and pillage. You know, pirates kind of lost the rape part of that, uh, supposedly. But, uh, you know, they were, it's a similar idea, but it just looks like it's going to be fun. But again, I would love to see some actual gameplay. Yeah. Um, I'm now hoping that the gameplay trailer has Blind Guardians Valhalla as the song. I am now <laughs> super excited for what I think this trailer would be. This gameplay trailer. <laughs> I've made it in my mind, and if it's not that, the game sucks. Yeah, that's how I feel about most Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one that stood out for me, I just... From the trailer, or the, at least the cinematic that they showed, I thought Dirt Five looked amazing. You always have to have play a racing as, game. Yeah, I mean, I don't play as many racing games as I used to. I think Grand Theft Auto just kind of scratches that itch for me. Anytime I want to race something, I can race and do like twenty other things in that game, as opposed to just be strictly confined to a car or racing. Um, yeah. But the the guys that make the Dirt games and the uh, the Grid games and um, Forza, I'm sure we're gonna get another Forza for sure. Um, yeah, all those games look I'm amazing. Um, I mean, I for me, Forza, that's always like, I played the last Forza Horizon, and I feel like I was pressing Y, like, get out of the car, I want to explore this town on foot, right? and you can't do it. You're just like, you're stuck in the car, and you're like, this is cool, this car I'm driving feels better, and like, handles better, and feels more like a real car than Grand Theft Auto, but I literally can't do anything else but drive around in it. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto broke me. All these all these racing games and, that want to make open world games and you're confined to the car 
is just so restrictive now for me. Yeah. Uh, having said that, I've never played a dirt game, but it did look awesome. It's you know more I mean? like, focused I feel on like, like the rally racing stuff, so dirt tracks and which is a different it it's a different type of race. Like I I have a hard time getting into it racing like compared to racing normally like street racing and stuff like that. So like playing Forza and then trying to go to the, like the dirt game, it just feels like the cars all over the place, but that's just on me trying to learn how to play the game. Right. And and I feel like I've always like leaned more towards Forza and whatnot, but I think something that I I remarked when I was watching it like live on stream was uh, that I feel like they always want to show off a racing game to show what new consoles are capable of. Yeah. Because it's all happening at high speeds, and it's showing you how good things can look when you're going this fast, and there's lots of weather effects and particle effects to show on screen that happen during racing games. That just naturally occur that don't seem like they're blatantly trying to show it off. They can just show you like actual gameplay that happens the whole time you're actually racing. And I think that there's a reason they do that, and it looked amazing. Well, because it's that, yeah. and they're, they're limited in scope, the racing games, like because you can't get out and explore, so you can put that much effort into the graphics you can see. That's why right. every right. launch you have a racing game to show... If you dedicate your resources to, like, there's one thing, this is what it can look like. <laughs> and like you said, you get right. all the particle effects and stuff with rain and stuff. The only one you're missing is fire, really, like, because you don't want your car to be exploding constantly. <laughs> so you get you get right. to show everything else, like the shadows and lighting and, hey, look how the sun looks now when it, like, intercrosses your vector. You get to do yeah. all of that stuff. Right. And that's why I was honestly surprised it wasn't Forza, because I was like, that's going to be a launch game. Well, because that's... You that's a first a party title. They weren't. That, that'll be a. I mean, Forza is a first party thing. No, yeah, but I mean, I just in the moment, I'm like, oh, racing game. It's Forza. That's what they're showing me. <laughs> right. I wasn't really thinking. Oh, yeah, Dirt's still a franchise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Forza really has taken over that racing market, uh, at least for Xbox and PC. Um, like, is Gran Turismo still a thing? Yeah. But like they, I know they're still yeah, making games, yeah, but is anyone yeah. still playing them? Well, it's always like a once a generation Sony kind players. of thing, you know. Yeah, it's fairly popular, I thought, okay. especially with uh, PSVR. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. it's huge in that market. But that's the other thing: racing games aren't nearly as big as they used to be. Like, yeah, I just don't feel no. like I've heard a lot from Gran Turismo. Well, it's one of those games like... that underperformed when it first released, and then they've sort of been like tweaking it to make it better. Okay, and, and I, apparently it's better now, but it, I think it lost a lot of followers on original release. Gotcha. I, I feel like racing games hit like their ability with gameplay to really provide new experiences to make it more realistic or more accurate or anything like that because there's only so much you can do in a car. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's. Until you start getting into, like, Fast and the Furious stunts that are not realistic at all. You know, it's a car. It shifts up, it shifts down, it goes faster, it slows down with brakes, it comes to a stop. Every now and then it hits a bump and takes off on a jump. It, it, there's not a whole lot that it does. Yeah. Which is, again, leaning into Ian, what he's saying is that they can make what it does do really, really good. Because it doesn't have to do a lot. But racing... 
I, I feel like has died down in popularity because it's not really pushing the envelope with new things. It may look prettier and prettier and prettier, but it's not really changing the game on how you're playing. Yeah. Uh, any other games you guys want to talk about? Scorn. So, when I watched Jabberwocky's Dune, one of the greatest parts of it was H.R. Grieger being interviewed. H.R. Grieger is a goddamn insane person. He lives in a world that I would never want to experience. He lives in constant fear and terror. He, his designs from Jabberwocky's Dune was brought into Alien. He creates freaky shit that I would be terrified to ever... If I walk into a house and it looks like H.R. Grieger was there, I am leaving. Like, it is terrifying. So Scorn is a first-person survival horror game that is based on H.R. Grieger designs. And it, it looks terrifying! I am afraid of this game! Now, you have all of the, like, in, uh, the sexual things kind of going on with it, but at its base level, looking at the environment, I am terrified, and I am horrified, and I want to play it because H.R. Grieger is an amazing person. And I am, <laughs> but I am legit, like, just watching this trailer, I'm like, the fuck? How did you... How did you sit through a session and be like, I designed this. I created this in a game because I would literally be in such horror that I would not have been able to complete that task. It is amazing in that sense. Like it, It is so well detailed and literally it's just so fucking freaky. I am, fuck this game. But I can't yeah, wait to play it. That trailer was fucked up. It was really yeah, fucked. I, I'm, I'm kind of where Ian's at where it's like I... I'm freaked out by it, and I like it. I, I mean, I, I like that kind of thing. I, I love horror, and I like playing survival horror-type games. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in it. I want to see more of what exactly is going on. Um, and what he's saying about Geiger, I feel like it's kind of like, you know, how does somebody get through that? I mean, Gary Busey exists in this world and does what he does, and... I feel like he's living in another world from us, so I feel like Geiger is the same kind of thing where you don't want to look away. Like, people still want to watch Gary Busey, even though the guy's fucking nuts. And I feel like it's the same thing for, like, what's going on with, like, what you're saying with Geiger. It's... With Gary Busey, though, I know that he was in a motorcycle accident and his brain is fucked. H.R. Geiger, I believe, has a parallel dimension he visits where this shit is real. <laughs> and he lives in constant fear. Okay. He's, he's seen the other side. And he literally just transcribes what he sees. Like, it is <laughs> horrifying. And, but that's the thing with H.R. Grieger. It is so detailed. There's so much happening in his, his what he designs. And you can see that in Scorn. Like, it's not just, okay, this looks freaky. You can see in the textures, they're trying to tell a story with the textures. There's something bigger than what we see happening. And we once we get the full release or another trailer or something, we'll know more about the universe. And I, I think that's really cool. Like, I, I, it looks amazing, and I think they're using... Like, they're not just like, hey, this is freaky. They're trying to tell a story with what they're doing. Like, that's that's what I think is amazing about it. Like, they're using the whole universe, all this background stuff, to tell a story. Right. And, and I feel like I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of what that story is. You know, like... I feel like this trailer was meant to capture your attention or 
as I'm sure it did for Brian, completely turn you off. Yeah, I'm not playing <laughs> that. Into this sort of thing. If you're not interested at all in what it's going to do, you were never going to be. I mean, there was a, like, from the looks of it, there wasn't a trailer they could have released for this game that was honest, at least, that would have drawn you in. So what they wanted to do was put out something that draws your attention and makes you say, I need to know more. I have to know what's going on here. And that's what this does, effectively. Like, from the moment the like the weird little eyes pop up in that trailer in, in whatever cocoon or body or whatever they're inside, you're like, what the fuck is going on here? And then the rest of the trailer happens and you come out of it saying, boy, I still don't know what the fuck's going on here, but that was cool looking and I'm freaked out. And I think it's a Strand game, which also appeals to me. A what strand. Game? That's what we call Death Stranding type games. Strand games. That's a term. It's a strand game. It's the best strand game I've ever seen. It's just, it's so fucking freaky. Like, I keep going to that because it is. And I think that's what's amazing about it. It, it, I feel like I'm going to, when I play this, I'm going to visit a universe that I hope never exists. I hope nothing <laughs> in my life is ever this. If I die and this is what it is, I know I'm in hell. <laughs> and then I'm going to try and point. kill myself so I'm no longer in hell. But I, <laughs> I, it's, it just captures everything I know that freaks me out and brings me into that horror. Like I, I, it's upsetting. It's just visually upsetting when I look at it. It does nothing else but upset me. But I want to see more. That's how I feel about this game and HR Grieger in general. And that's that, that's what I like. I, mm, I need it. So, Andy, where are you at on this one? It looks like it's going to be a pretty solid pass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless I there's like... some, like, really, like, mind-blowing gameplay to it, it just looks like it's a bunch of, like, I'm going to try and freak you out sort of type game, and I'm like, eh. Yeah, I'm kind of with Andy. I have no desire to play this. Mike was right. This... No way am I going to go out of my way to play this game. But I, I am curious I like, to know what the fuck is going on because yeah. I still have no idea what this was trying to tell me. Right. And I like like horror shooters. Like I like Dead Space and Resident Evil and stuff like that. But this just doesn't have any appeal to me. No, that's the thing. I think it's going like I understand why it doesn't appeal to you two. And I think it's going for that feel. Like Dead Space makes sense. This I don't know if it will make sense. It's going to be this <laughs> universe where blood like envision it's a whole freaky concept like meant almost to freak you out but i think currently from what we've seen they're doing it in a way that makes sense like there's a story being told they're not freaking you out for freak out sake right and yeah we just don't know what that story is yet and i'm also kind of hoping it's right. in vr because i will buy a vr headset for this <laughs> <laughs> stream it stream yourself playing this game in vr for god's sakes it's just me pissing myself for five hours. <laughs> He's huddled in the corner. No, I can't take it off. No. I can't take it off. <laughs> um, the there was one other game for me that sort of reminded me of Turok, and that was that second extinction game where you're fighting dinosaurs. I'm still pissed. Okay. It wasn't another Turok game. Yeah, I was like, I actually the dinosaur looks so similar to the one in Turok, I was thinking it was going to be. I thought for sure that's sort of where they were going is like Turok 4 or whatever the hell they're on now. But <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, that I want to know more about that one just cuz like the it sounds kind of cool, like there's a there's a four-player co-op component to it. 
like fighting dinosaurs, sure, that's cool. But like, is that all there is? Is it just like, let's walk over here, kill, kill some dinosaurs. Let's walk over here, kill some dinosaurs. Like, that's going to get repetitive to me. I kind of just want to know what the hell's going on and, you know, more to it. If it will yeah, actually hold it, my attention. I, I definitely want some more info on that to determine whether I'm interested or not. It's like the only assets because... they had were those raptor-looking dinosaurs. So we're just going to kill a herd over here. We're going to walk over here, kill another herd. Like, that's all they had. <laughs> Yeah, I, I felt like they, I felt like there was one herbivore in there somewhere. They had like the asset of like yeah, the raptor looking thing, and then like one other type of thing that maybe looked like it popped up. Yeah, but at the same time, like in a dinosaur shooting game, it's all about variety. If you're gonna have dinosaurs be the enemies the whole time, there has to be more than one. Right. But it could be very early in development. Yeah, I mean, it could be they don't want to show off other assets. They don't want to spoil things. It, there's a lot of reasons it could go that way, but you put together a Torok type of game, if it's in that essence, I would be down for that. Yeah, but it has Turok to be type, deeper. You gotta bring those weapons up. Those weird, crazy weapons. Yeah. And, and it, it ha like I said, it has to be, there has to be more to it than just what they showed. Yeah. What they showed would be cool, but, you know, I, I think there will be. But I guess we'll find out more eventually. Hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully they get a chance to sit down with each of these games almost individually and give us more details. Well, that's the other weird thing with this, because it's like Turok, but they're also making a Dino Crisis remake. And I was like, wait, is this the Dino Crisis game? <laughs> Are they really? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that was yeah. happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cap Capcom is remaking Dino Crisis. So, I'm... so there's a market apparently for this kind of game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ark, Ark sort of did, Ark Survival Evolved sort of did the same sort of thing, you know, except you're trying to survive with all the dinosaurs. You can, like, tame them and kill them and, and stuff like that. So I wonder how this is really going to sort of differentiate itself from those other dinosaur-type games. Yeah. Then you have, That's like, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn where it's, like, robots. Like, there's that right. yeah, yeah. thing. There's that feel. And it looks cool. Like, the dinosaurs look cool, and I'm... But I... I from what they've shown, I'm like, it's a pass for me right now, but they could draw me in. It's just, give me something more. I want to be terrified. It's di Dinosaurs are terrifying, if you actually yeah. think about yeah. them. And I was not terrified by these dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, it, something that worked, and that's where I think Dino Crisis might fill that need that you're looking for more than this game. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it, it'll take on that more survival aspect of fighting dinosaurs. Where every single one you encounter is an absolute threat to your life. As opposed to this, where it seems like dinosaurs are kind of like grunts in doom. Where you just mow through them. Still a cool concept, but not necessarily exactly what you're looking for. And on, like, the idea of ARC, I feel like ARC could have been a lot more popular if you didn't have to put, like, 50 hours in before you were able to effectively fight dinosaurs. Like, it it was such a slow start into ARC. It, it's such a cool game once you get deep into it. But I feel like its slow start was what really put it in a spot that it wasn't as popular as it could have been. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. 
Like, there's games that do similar things, but they, they span it differently. Like, Seven Days to Die, had they made Ark a gameplay loop as opposed to a an endless progression, I feel like it would have been better. In my own personal opinion. Where, like, seven... I don't know if you know about Seven Days to Die. But it's I'm like... I'm assuming it takes seven days to die. <laughs> <laughs> That's the crazy thing, Andy. Sometimes it doesn't. So, right. Some di- sometimes you die in two days. Sometimes you can make it last to 15 days. But it's about surviving for as many days as you can by, like, fending for yourself and eating. But they don't restrict your access to things like tools and whatnot the whole time. Like, you can find useful things. Um, and I, I guess the online components of ARC was the other issue it had, where people who were higher and significantly more powerful than you would just take all your shit. Um, and that became a problem. So you didn't want to play it online. You wound up not wanting to play online because of that. You know, t- like, it did not take as much time to play through, like, a whole playthrough of Seven Days to Die as it would for ARC. And I feel like that gameplay loop might have been better. Gotcha. And maybe some game coming soon will do something like that. Maybe this is the one that'll do it. Who knows? We don't really know a whole lot other than that you get to shoot dinosaurs. Right. Yeah. Need some more details on this one. Um, Anything else you guys want to touch on? I think that's all I got for the games that at least piqued my interest. Scorn Anything we didn't address that you two. want to talk about? Scorn 2 needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Streets of Rage 4 just came out. Played that a little bit. That was pretty neat. Yeah, I downloaded that one. I haven't I haven't tried it yet. Yeah, pretty good. No, same. It's it's pretty solid. There was the one game they showed. It's I... frustratingly hard. <laughs> I kind of expected yeah. that. Like arcade coin, coin op hard? Yeah. Ugh. But there is... But it's fun. It's, it's a good, it's a good, uh, sequel to, uh, a franchise that's pretty old yeah there was the one game they showed that it looks really cool then i was like oh it is a top-down shooter i no longer care <laughs> i forget what it was we talked about that didn't did we? we the ascent the ascent yeah the ascent okay yeah. I, looks kind of like a diablo style i just want to go yeah. back into that because it looks so cool and then it's like oh it's top-down shooter <laughs> like i'd, I'd like see, to give I, it a shot i just don't care yeah, about that cool gameplay. to me i just if it's a if it's a Game Pass game, I'm in. Yeah, but that's essentially for you a free game. Like that's right. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, like the, I, I tend to agree with Ian on like top down shooter. I'm not as interested in is like a top down melee game, like a top down brawler. I feel like is more like Diablo is is better in that sense. But the atmosphere and the setting of this looks so cool. I would be willing to hop back in with a top-down shooter in this But case. I can't experience that atmosphere in a top-down shooter. Like, it just, it's not right. Like, I want to experience that universe, but I can't do that from a top-down shooter aspect. Like, I, fuck you. It's not the same. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. Like, it just looked real cool, and they're like, oh, it's a top-down shooter. I'm like, fuck! There was, I, I, I won't lie, there was that moment of disappointment within myself as well. And you always... And I feel like there was probably for a lot of people where you were hoping, like, third-person or first-person shooter type of game, and then it's not. And And I feel like... Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be my first choice. It's still okay. And you always get this, I feel like, with the new consoles. You're like, oh, this is really cool. Then it's like, oh. (laughs) They just banged out a shitty game. 
such high hopes for these for these games. Well, Scorn's amazing. I th- yeah. Other than that one, <laughs> I mean uh, the 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 space thing. I think I like I said it's Star Fox sixty four, but you can it's still cool. Like I'm still gonna play yeah. it. It's a space game. <laughs> it's not Star Citizen. I'm gonna play it. Like there's a lot of stuff they showed. I think that's really cool. Like Assassin's Creed, but the top-down shooter is just not a game concept I want to revisit in 2020 going forward. Right. I got you. Um, anything else? Because if not, we'll close it down. Scorn 3. I think we're good. <laughs> Alright, uh, so if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. You can follow or subscribe to the show there. Um, Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, uh, Stitcher. We're, we're pretty much everywhere, hopefully. Uh, you can find podcasts. Check us out on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can check us out there. Questions, comments, topics, suggestions, leave them. We'll check them out. Uh, try to email us, Friends at gmail.com. I won't check it. It's there for show. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperFriends. That we'll see. And on behalf of Andy, Mike, Ian, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Love you guys.